0: Let me uh, add my welcome to uh, the official beginning of the Christmas weeks here at Black Rock. Uh, So beautiful uh, up here and what a wonderful time, what a wonderful time of the year to open our hearts and our homes to the savior of Christmas. Unfortunately, many hearts and homes are not open. Uh, Many homes are closed for Christmas. Uh, Let me introduce you to uh, three homes. Three homes that are closed for Christmas. Uh, They were closed last year. Probably they're going to be closed again this Christmas. The first home belongs to the Rush family. Uh, You ought to know the Rushes, although really nobody does. They say, the Rush family, that they would love to have friends, but they just don't have time. Uh, The Rushes, it starts with Skip, Skip, is the dad, and uh, he holds down like a a 70-hour-a-week job. And then uh, his wife, Maxine, Rush, and the kids, uh, they run around from activity to activity, from piano to theater to soccer to archery to medieval jousting, whatever the latest thing is that (laughs) everybody's got to do these days. And, of course, the Rushes go into hyperdrive, At Christmas time, Skip has all those corporate parties. Uh, Maxine and the kids have all the get-togethers, award banquets, and uh, cookie exchanges. And well, last year, uh, the Rush family got to January and realized that they had completely missed Christmas again. They were open to everything but Jesus. And so you could say that their home was closed for Christmas. Speaking of homes closed for Christmas, um, then there's the Jones family. Uh, You know the Joneses, they're the ones everybody's trying to keep up with. Uh, All year long, the Joneses are busy uh you know, getting the best and most of everything. Uh, but Christmas, oh, that's, that's go time. Uh, Christmas is when the neighborhood gets the best light display uh, of all time. And uh, the Joneses host parties that are, of course, bigger and better than last year. And bigger and better than yours. Everyone wants to be the Jones family, which is of course what they're going for, they figure if they can't be a happy family, at least they can look like one. But all this image crafting takes a lot of effort, a lot of energy, so they've got nothing left over for Jesus. So once again, it looks like their home will be closed for Christmas. Uh, There's one more uh, closed home, and that's the Moore family. Uh, for the moors Christmas is all about the stuff they go shopping and they go buying they would never admit it uh, that their Christmas is really all about stuff but their credit card statement says it all they just go into the shopping and the buying thinking that this is going to be the year that they're going to get what really is going to satisfy them and make them happy but every year On December 26th, they clean up all the wrapping paper and the empty boxes, and they confront the awful truth that, once again, when it comes to their relationship with Jesus, they were closed for Christmas. The Rush, Jones, Moore family were all closed last Christmas, and unless they change something like right now, they're going to be closed for Christmas again this year. And by closed, I mean that their homes will be closed to Jesus and all the joy that he brings as the heart and the true meaning and what makes Christmas worth celebrating. But the Rush, Jones, and Moore homes are not the first homes to be closed for Christmas. Nope. People have been missing Christmas since the day Jesus was born. So let's go back to the story of the birth of Jesus and uh, to the hearts and homes that were closed for Christmas, the first Christmas. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. All right, now let's go back to that line that refers to how Bethlehem was closed for Christmas. That phrase, there was no room for them in the inn Tells us a lot about the homes in that little town of Bethlehem and how they were closed for Christmas. Let me give you three biblical notes that explain what I mean. The first note concerns that word "in." There was no room for them in the inn. The Greek word that is translated "in" is the word "kataluma." And this may confuse you a little bit, but follow me. In ordinary first century usage, the word cataluma did not mean an inn. It did not refer to a commercial hotel or lodging space. There is another word, another Greek word uh, that is used in the Bible for a commercial hotel. Hotel. Uh, That word is used, for instance, when Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, how a guy found a beaten man along the road and not only helped him, but then brought the injured man to a hotel for recovery. But that Greek word for hotel is not used here in the Christmas story. The word is kataluma, which refers to a guest room in a home. And you may ask, well why do so many English Bibles continue to translate Cataluma as inn? My guess is that they just don't wanna fight uh, that beautiful little uh, English translation that began a kind of a tradition 500 years ago of this familiar Christmas image of an inn and an innkeeper. But was there an inn? Was there an innkeeper? Probably not. A tiny town like Bethlehem probably did not have commercial lodging. Instead, little towns in that day uh, were expected to make room for visitors by opening their catalumas. I guess you could translate it as an ancient Airbnb. Uh, They were to open up their guest room in their homes. Now, nobody claims to know this for sure, but there are strong clues in the Christmas story text that the problem in Bethlehem was not one grumpy innkeeper who turned away Mary and Joseph. The problem was that there was no vacancy in any of Bethlehem's homes. You could say that all Bethlehem's homes were closed for Christmas which leads us to another biblical note, this time referring to those words, no room. There was no room for Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem. The clear intent behind these two words is that Bethlehem was crazy, crazy busy. Uh, Due to Caesar's census, uh, Bethlehem was jam-packed, overcrowded, busy, busy busy busy, which leads to then one last and third biblical note, which has to do with the surprising detail that Mary laid her newborn infant in a manger because there was no room in any of the catalumas. We're so familiar with this part of the story that we miss the fact that this is supposed to strike us as outrageous. It's outrageous that no one in Bethlehem opened their home to a woman giving birth. It's outrageous that no one in Bethlehem vacated their guest room in order to defer to a woman in labor and giving birth. In a culture that revered hospitality to strangers, it's a scandal that the homes of Bethlehem let a woman give birth among livestock and lay her newborn in an animal's feeding box. Now, if, uh, you know, you read the internet, uh, you'll actually find articles saying the opposite. You'll hear articles saying it's no big deal that Mary uh, had to give birth in a barn. Uh, The articles maintain that uh, in first century homes, uh, uh, they had stables that were attached to the house. And because Bethlehem was so busy, Mary just got bumped from an attached guest room (laughs) to an attached stable. Uh, Listen, I I don't know if uh, stables were attached to homes in Bethlehem. What I do know is that the Bible treats the fact that Jesus was born in a barn as a shocking part of this story. In the scripture we just read, the angels appear to the shepherds outside of Bethlehem and they announce, shepherds, go look for this newborn savior in Bethlehem and you'll never guess where you're going to find him. You're going to find him as this child in Bethlehem, the only child who is laid in an animal's feeding box. That the homes of Bethlehem left a baby to be born in a barn and laid in an animal's feeding trough is a travesty meant to reveal that the people of Bethlehem were busy, no, wait, wait, wait. They were way too busy, way too distracted. The homes of Bethlehem were so preoccupied that they missed the most important thing that would ever happen to them. They were so busy and distracted that they missed their holy moment. And guess what? Nothing's changed. 2,000 years later, the Rushes, the Joneses, the Moores will miss their holy moment again this Christmas. And when I say that you, know, you can be closed to Christmas, it mean, I mean that you're not making room in your heart home for Jesus. I'm talking about your heart. So if you're a teenager, uh, you, know, you can open your heart home to Jesus this Christmas. If if you're married or unmarried, or if you're living alone, or if you're living with relatives, or you have roommates, you can open your heart home and really experience the miracle of Jesus that makes Christmas worth celebrating. So how do you do that? How do you make room for Jesus? Well, let's get practical here for a moment, can we? Uh, This Christmas, make room for Christ by keeping priorities. Making room for Jesus means that I decide that this year I'm taking personal responsibility for making Christ the center of my Christmas. I, don't, I can't speak for anybody else, but Christ will be the center of my Christmas. If I miss Jesus this Christmas, it's my fault. I can't blame capitalism. I, I can't blame the internet. It's Me, it comes down to me and my maybe twisted priorities. If my priority is just Christmas obligations and preparations and decorations, then just like the homes of Bethlehem, I'll be closed to Christmas. So, this is a good time for me to take personal responsibility, to take personal responsibility and choose that my Christmas priority will be Christ and making room for him, making room to develop my relationship with him and enjoy my relationship with him. And when I go beyond just talk, talking about this and really making Christ the priority of my Christmas, then I can make room for Jesus by keeping perspective. Uh, With Jesus as my top priority this Christmas, I can keep all the tinsel and bow and everything else in perspective. If I'm not able to put the dazzling light display outside my home this year, if, if I'm not able to make all the traditional Christmas cookies that I have every year, it's okay. I can keep perspective. And with this kind of perspective, I can then be bold enough Bold enough to do something extremely countercultural, I can choose to make room for Jesus by setting some boundaries at Christmas. Not only do I make uh, room for Jesus uh, by, you know, keeping uh, priority in. Perspective, but also by setting some boundaries. It means I have to be bold enough to actually say no to some good things so that I can say yes and carve out some space for the best thing. This means boundaries. Am I decorating? Am I entertaining? And on my spending, maybe even my spending. I, I know a guy who bought something last Christmas that he really couldn't afford, but he bought it on one of those uh, pay it back in a year uh, plans. Well, that was last year. And sure enough, uh, this week, he got a statement with a special note in red ink saying, Bill is now one year old. And uh, my friend doesn't have any money, but he does have a good sense of humor, and uh, so he mailed this company back a nice card saying, happy birthday, Bill. Uh, (laughs) Set some spending limits, okay, because Christmas is Jesus' birthday, not Bill's birthday, all right? So even more important than boundaries on my spending, I need to set boundaries on my schedule. By setting aside some time and actually scheduling in my calendar some time for Jesus, in my relationship with Jesus. So, what do I do? If I set aside some time, what shall I do with my time? Read the Christmas story. Read the Bible's Christmas story. Read the Christmas scriptures and set aside some time to not just read, but think about Jesus. Seek. Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Look for Jesus in the pages of scripture. First, do it yourself. Schedule it. Then, if you are uh, married, if you have a spouse, or if you have kids at home, set aside some time to also do this as a family. If you don't schedule it, it won't happen, so schedule it. and, And Let me give you an example. Here's what we do in uh, my home. We schedule a time and I put a fire in the fireplace and we read the Christmas scriptures and then we discuss it as a family. Try it. If you don't have a fireplace, gather the family around the microwave and just watch something (laughs) kind of... No, that's not the point. The point is the scripture and getting into the Bible and looking for Jesus, just like those wise men, just like the shepherds, looking for Jesus in the words of the Christmas story. If you have kids, use this as a time to teach them how to look for Jesus in the pages of scripture. Share with them some of the insights that you gained from your alone time with Jesus this season. And if you do that, you'll be modeling for your kids how to make room for Jesus all year long. Don't just talk about Jesus, though. Keeping perspective means going beyond words to actually extend love to someone in need. Do the opposite of those homes of Bethlehem that were closed for Christmas and ignored Mary and Joseph in their time of need. Uh, Think about some people in your life and how you could open your heart How you can open your heart to meet their need in a specific way. Maybe it's uh, babysitting for a mom or dad you know who just need a break to have some time together uh, this Christmas. Maybe it's bringing over a meal to someone who's been sick uh, last week. Uh, Maybe it's uh, shoveling a driveway for a neighbor. Maybe it's inviting someone new here at Blackrock to your house for dinner. Open your heart. Open your heart and do something to extend love and hospitality, not just to your regular friends, but to someone who maybe needs a friend. And then finally, here's a radical idea under the category of setting boundaries. Give to someone who can't give back. If you want to make room for Jesus, if you want to give a birthday present to Jesus that he will love, then give to someone who can't give back to you. Here's the fun part. If I put boundaries on my spending, I'll have some margin money left over. If I put boundaries on my time, I'll end up with a little time left over. And uh, here's the fun part. I can get in cahoots with Jesus with this extra time and money. With my margin time, I can say, Jesus, I've set aside some extra time. Now, all you need to do is just show me who I can help. Jesus, I'm going to be looking. And if you show this person to me, I'll be like that good Samaritan. And I'll stop and I'll help this person with this little extra time that I've set apart. And Jesus, when you show me that person, I'll not only be finding this person, I'll be finding you. Because what I'll do in a way of helping this individual, I'll do just out of my love for you. And you can do the same thing with your margin money. You can say, Jesus, I've got a little, little money left over. It's not a lot, but it's something that could maybe help somebody. So Jesus, all you need to do now is just show me who to give this to. And Jesus, would you show me somebody who I can give to who then can't pay me back? They can't pay me back because maybe they, they can't afford it. Or they can't pay me back because I give it to them anonymously. And Jesus, when you show me that person, I'll realize that I am not only finding this person that you want me to give to, I'm finding you. And I'm giving in this name, Jesus, I'm giving to you. You see how it could be fun? You see how going in cahoots with Jesus this Christmas could be really exciting with your margin time and your margin money? Christmas could be so exciting when you open your heart home for Christmas. Maybe in years past, you've been like the Rush and the Jones and the Moore family, and you've been closed for Christmas. Right now, take responsibility. Take responsibility and decide that this year it's going to be different. This year, make room for Jesus and the joy that he brings to your world as the heart of Christmas. This is your holy moment. Don't miss it. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church know that you can subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, and also know that you can give to BlackRock and to our ministry through Pushpay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have these videos online and for us to impact our community.